You're listening to Men of Abundance, episode 201 with Brandon Beliso. Get ready to live, learn, and grow. Welcome to Men of Abundance, the podcast for those looking to level up their lives by hanging out with some of the greatest leaders and established professionals in our community, living a life of integrity, honor, and the abundance mentality. Prepare to pay it forward with your host, former army medic turned lifestyle entrepreneur, Wally Carmichael. What is going on, Men of Abundance? I am Wally Carmichael, your founder and host of the Men of Abundance podcast. And I have a little bit of a lisp today because last week I um, knocked one of my fillings, one of my caps out of my front teeth, my front upper teeth. The two incisors are caps that I've had since, goodness, since I was like 11 years old. And one of those caps fell out, so I'm literally missing a tooth in the front of my mouth right now. So it sounds kind of funny, and uh, it feels funny, to say the least. And I'm not going to get it fixed until uh, about three more days. So, got to you know, the show must go on. i got to do this pre-show. I'm not going to be talking a whole lot. Uh, I'm just going to get right into it and uh, introduce our abundant leader today. And then get this ready and go ahead and post and uh, share with you guys. So our future guest today, Brandon Beliso, is dedicated to helping people live their best lives. His purpose and passion are to help others reach their full potential through learning, living, and growing. He is a published writer presenting workshops and seminars with the mindset that we can always do and be better. Brandon offers personal mentoring with a vision that through self-discovery and defining our values, we can find our true purpose. Men of Abundance, it is my honor to introduce you to Brandon Beliso. Brandon, welcome to Men of Abundance, brother. How are you doing? I'm excellent, Wally. Thank you for having me here. That's so awesome to hear. Where are you at in the world? I'm in San Francisco. I actually live right out in San Francisco now. I was born and raised there. Really? I'm just chilling in, in, in my dining room. Having nice. this amazing conversation here. Yeah. Nice, yeah, that is so amazing. You know, I, I was in San Francisco. Man, I was a little guy. My grandmother was in Sacramento. We drove from Phoenix, Arizona, out to visit my grandmother. Then we took a little day trip over to San Francisco. And at that age, and the, everything that we went and saw the wax museum, and you know, we could see Alcatraz, all that kind of stuff. It was. I was in awe of that place. It was just so amazing. I can't it imagine is. what it's like now. San Francisco's pretty magical. I've moved other places. I've lived in another country. I always came back here. It's just there's something about, you know. Very cool. Something Very incredible. cool. I'm glad you're digging it out there, man. That's real that's really neat. So I like to start out the conversation with an attitude of gratitude, man. And I know you're all over this. So what do you have to be grateful for today? Oh, I think freedom. You know, I, I, I share with people passionately being an entrepreneur that I use my resources to buy me time. I have a six and a nine-year-old, so I'm grateful I get to take him to school uh, every other day. I'm grateful that I get to sit and watch Warrior Games with my son. I'm grateful I get to sit and have dinner every night with them. I'm grateful that I work 16 hours a month in my businesses, so I'm, I'm grateful for a lot of things, my health, my mindset. There's so many things to be grateful for. Wow, that's very interesting. So you can actually buy time. Absolutely. You absolutely can. 
You absolutely yeah. can. Yeah, and build on I, that a little bit. Well, because my businesses were so personality-driven, Wally, where you know, I was working 50, 60 hours a week and coming from an immigrant family, that was noble, right? You work your business to the bone and you work day and night, seven days a week, and that's what we were taught. But once I recognized that I was in a personality-driven business and it was really volatile, you know, with small kids, if I got sick or hurt, uh, I would lose everything within a year. So I set about on a mission of systemizing everything and training people and growing a team and a culture to do it better than me. Very cool. Very cool. So an immigrant family, where's your family from? Well, they, they started in France, went to Italy, went to Spain, Philippines, Hawaii. My dad was actually born in Hawaii and I have family in Salt Lake. And, my dad, and then they were born from Hawaii, then they came to the mainland. So that, that was their circle. They were merchant marines and Navy. So I'm a little bit Spanish, Filipino, French, Italian, who were mutts. Man, you are diversity. <laughs> yes, yeah. that's awesome. You're, you're. So you have family in Salt Lake. Yeah, I have some aunties and uncles. I'm literally they, they, looking at Salt Lake right now. I'm up on the yeah, hill on Tripler, and I'm looking down on, on the uh, Salt Lake right now. <laughs> pick one of those tall skyscrapers of condo apartments, and they're in one of those. Very awesome. Great, great yeah. location. That's pretty cool. I dig it, man. So, Brennan, how would you describe yourself? You know, I, I, people ask me that all the time, and it's like when I was a rock star in the Philippines, it's really hard. I don't want to be categorized, but if I had to, if I had to, I would say I'm a modern-day renaissance man. You know, I, I'm an artist. I write poetry. I write music. Um, my, I, I dabble in many things, and all of them, some are very profitable, some lose me money, but when the day's done, I'm a learner. And I live from a growth mindset. And I think that's really where the gratitude comes from. As long as I'm constantly learning, I'm earning. And whether that's money, whether that's spiritual wealth, uh, mental wealth, relationship wealth, when we talk about learners or earners, if I'm always learning, I'm always growing. And, and I'm very passionate about that. Yeah, I really like that. And that's, you know, I, the more people that I talk to, you know, that are truly living a life of abundance in their own right, has nothing to do with money. At some point it did in, in many people's lives. There's many examples I can give that, you know, these guys were, and women, but mostly guys that I talked to were multimillionaires by the, before they were 30. They had the yacht, they had the cars, they had the toys, and some of them still have that stuff, but that's not, that used to be what defined them, and it's no longer what defines them because they realized after they traveled the world and saw how other people are living, they realized that, what they do really can make an impact on others. And and by, by giving that value to them because they had the resources to do so, and not just the money, but like you said, the time. They bought time. One guy individual, uh, Timothy Sykes, for instance, um, wrote a million-dollar check to Pencils of Promise to build schools on, in all of these uh, developing countries. And oh, by the way, he took the time off to go help build the schools. You know, and that made a huge impact on the world, on those kids, but it also made a huge impact on him. Well, I, I think what, what resonates with me when you say that, Wally, is that he defined for him what is his version of success. And I think that's a big thing, especially in a Western culture, keeping up with the Joneses, bigger house, bigger car, you know, different relationship, more money, more money, more money, when in reality, we, we understand that the true journey is inward, and it's when you strip away all those things, the big house, the big car, and all that, you know, you're just left with yourself. And I think money am actually amplifies when somebody is unhappy, because they have all this money and they think they should be grateful by Western standards, and they realize, I'm a really unhappy person, <laughs> you know, so 
Yeah, money doesn't define me, yeah. but I do recognize I do recognize money as a vehicle, mm-hmm. and I can use it to secure my family's future, uh, provide opportunities for my team, give back, give back tremendously mm-hmm. to the world and our community. So, I recognize it for what it is. Yeah, absolutely. I do too. Look, I'm, I'm, you know, I talk about this about living a life of abundance and and money, and I never want to paint the picture that I'm down on earning money because I'm all about earning an income and earning a lot of money. But it's not what defines me, and it shouldn't be what absolutely. defines you. And nope. you know, it, it truly is a resource. I truly believe, like part of what you said is, money magnifies who you truly are. And you know, you're either pissed off, you're greedy, you're kind. You're giving whatever it is that you are before you have the money is going to be multiplied who you are when you have the money. What are your thoughts on that? Well, I, I believe so. But going back to the days of my grandma, she used to own little coffee shops in the Tenderloin. So she taught me the, the, the first law of abundance. She brought over seven kids you know, from the Philippines, helped them all buy homes and get these guys all set up for kids. And all she ever had was a little coffee shop, you know, which probably couldn't have earned that much. Yet anybody who came into her restaurant, whether you could pay or not, and I learned this because I I, all I could do was sweep because I was so young. So I'd sweep this coffee shop and this guy named Bill, but they called him Mud, would sit at the end of the counter every day and he'd get a hamburger, no ketchup, no pickles, no nothing, a plain hamburger with french fries and a Coke when Coke was in a bottle, right? <laughs> Coke was in a bottle. Yeah. And then I'd watch this guy eat and get up every day and leave and never pay. And one time I looked at my grandma and I said, Grandma. You know, this guy comes there every day and, you know, you got rent and costs and, you know, you let him eat for free. And her only response to me in that moment was, never mind. Never mind. <laughs> see, and see, that's what said. my mind yeah. is so wrapped around, hey, you got to make money. You got to pay rent. My mind was wrapped around that. What she was saying, never mind. Listen to that statement, Wally. Never mind. Mm-hmm. You know, don't mind other people's business. Don't mind the craziness. Don't mind any of that. Just be mindful of not being mindful. I know that's kind of a dichotomy, but mm-hmm. once once I get out of my own way, everything tends to find itself as it should be. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And that all comes back tenfold. You know, there's more and more stories like this coming out that we just don't hear about um, in mainstream media. And, and, you know, you really almost have to kind of go look for them. But every once in a while, they'll surface on, on Facebook or social media or something like that. And I absolutely love those stories of, of like that. And there, there truly are many, many more just like that. It's just we don't get a chance. They're not broadcasted because people just do stuff like that and they, and they don't and they never mind. Well, because they, they don't sell magazines, right? They don't right. sell ad spots. I mean, think of The Inquirer. Think of TMZ. People love drama. People mm-hmm. love to see people suffer and bring it down. So that's why they'll have some mass shooting and replay it again and again and again and again and again and again. But if it's a feel-good story about somebody making a difference, like, you know, you might see it at 1 a.m. on PBS. And, and, and that's all, all we get. So you're right. And whatever we focus on expands. So I tend not to watch news like that. I tend to focus on... on you know, you'll catch me watching The Wizard of Oz over and over again. Uh, uh, just, yeah. Yeah, I dig that. Wizard of Oz. For me and my little guy, it's Xanadu. Nobody knows. Oh, nobody, yeah. Oh, man. I'm a Santa. Oh, oh. Give me a Newton John. Dude. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I'm a musical absolutely. guy, man. I, I love, um, I saw Grease like 21 times in the theater. When oh, it man, came yeah. out when I was a kid, I kid you not. Yeah, I'm sh- love, yeah and I'm not, I'm not ashamed of it either. No. Not at all. And I think, you know, that's why the mindset we create, we want to talk about, you know, being a person of abundance. 
is that it's the mindset you create. So I think every morning, everything I read about successful people, and it's wonderful when you hear these other stories that resonate with you. When I wake up in the morning, I don't go through, okay, I got this appointment, I got that appointment, I got to do this. I wake up and the first thing I do is create that attitude of gratitude. Mm -hmm. I lie there in bed, I breathe in, I say, I am breathing. I breathe out, I say, I am grateful. I get another day to live my best life. And then I go through a gratitude list. My health, the fact that I'm awake, my wife, my kids, my team, my opportunities, even my shortcomings, all of it. I embrace with a sense of gratitude. So by the time my two feet hit the bedroom floor, I'm already in a state of mind of gratitude. And that for me resonates throughout and carries through the whole day, you know? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you know, <laughs> I love my morning routine too, man. And what I've been recently doing, because I just discovered this, I got an email from Google Home and said you can wake up to music. So before I go to bed, I tell Google Home, hey, Google, wake me to music at 5 a.m., and then, mm -hmm. it, and then Google will say, well, what, uh, what do you want to listen to? And I always listen to it in my house, in my bedroom, uh, slack key guitar. I love slack key guitar. It's so relaxing. Oh, yeah. And it, yeah, it wakes up on volume two, and it's a slow, gradual wake up. And then I just kind of go through my morning routine, similar to what you do. It's, it's just a cool. I'll play some slack key guitar later uh, during the episode. If I'll, or maybe towards the end, I'll close out the episode with slack key guitar for those of you who don't know what that is, and I'll introduce you to it. Yeah, Slacky is beautiful, man. Yeah, For I me, if I, if, if I have to wake up in the morning, it would probably have to be Bob Marley. It'd have to be some Bob. Three Little Birds. <laughs> yeah, Don't you know, me. yeah, okay. If it's Three Little Birds, I can deal with that. But if it's not, I can't wake up to loud noises, dude. That just freaks me out. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it tears me up. I don't like my I don't like an alarm. So anyhow, hey, you know, we were talking about serving others. How important is that to serve others for ourselves and for our well-being and being a, a man of abundance? Well, if, if, there's a Gandhi saying out there somewhere that, you know, I own several businesses. I'm an entrepreneur where it says uh, the customer is not dependent upon us. We are dependent upon him. And it's a privilege for them to come into our business and for us to be allowed to serve them. So I think a sense of humility is something that really perpetuates in my life. I'm a big, I'm a leader of a movement where service is the new profit. You know, I own martial arts schools where everything's contracts, upgrades, belt testing fees, maximize the value of everyone who walks through your door. In other words, nickel and dime them. And I'm so against that. Yeah. I think if we serve people really, really well, that they'll stay on their own. I don't need a contract for you to be here. So I love to serve. And, and, and my, again, going back to my grandma's restaurants, you know, I love to serve. You come into my home, I'm going to cook and serve you a meal. If you're in my businesses, I'm the first one to offer you a chair and serve you. I love service. I think it's everybody's higher calling, unfortunately, because of fear, because of fear. Hey, you're getting over on me. Hey, you might think I'm weak. Hey, I, I can't spend any time with that, Wally. I simply love to serve. It, it's, it's my nature. It's my purpose in life. And, you know, but by the grace of the universe, it also equals to profitability. So... Yeah, same thing. here. You know who really gets that? Have you ever been to um, Egypt or any of that part of the world? No, I haven't. So no, I haven't. when I was in Egypt, one of the things that I found very interesting, and it took me a minute to kind of get used to, was I want, I walked into one of the stores, one of the retail shops in, in Egypt, in uh, Sharm el Sheikh. It's really um, Sinai Peninsula. And I was in Sharm el Sheikh or Nama Bay, one of those areas. And you walk into, say, for instance, there's like trinket stores or gold, like jewelry store or something like that. And when you walk in, they greet you and they, and they have you come sit down at a table. And it's this little table and it's kind of low. And they bring you tea 
in a, in a cup. It's not like a cup with a handle like we have. It's these little tiny glasses. Either hot tea um, or a soda. They'll, they have Coke because they do cater to Western world as well for the drinks. And they want to sit down and have a conversation with you for, goodness, 30, 40 minutes before they even do business with you. And the, and the purpose for this is, as I found out, as I learned, because I was there for six months, is they want to they do business with people they like, know, and trust. And they sit down with you and they get to know you before they even open you up to their shop. And I thought it was the most amazing thing. When you talk about service from a retail standpoint, they really make you feel at home. And they truly give you what they have and they serve you before they even show you anything that they have to sell. What are your thoughts about that? I think it's powerful. I mean, trust to me is the last true form of marketing. And trust is not something you're going to earn with, you know, 1999 or get this bottle of Coke right now. Trust is uh, that example that you just shared is really what it's about, the human connection. If I like you, I'll be your friend. If I trust you, I'll do business with you. So in that 30, 40 minutes, if I can connect with you on a heart level, which is the cleanest, fastest way to to connect with people is on a heart level because we know our mind can be polluted and cluttered with so many unauthorized thought patterns from the media, social media, et cetera. But the heart is pure. The heart is pure, Wally. So if we can connect on a heart level and we sit down and right away and share a cup of tea, that's powerful. I think it's powerful. Yeah, and you know the other side of that that I found out too is um, it didn't happen to me, but I do know that this has happened is that they will decide after sitting down with you if you don't want to if they don't feel that they can do business with you, they won't. And wow. they, they will lose the business because they don't want to do business with you. And it's kind of like what I do in my coaching business, and I'm sure you may do based on what I know of you thus far. Is I pick and choose who I do business with if I'm talking with somebody and it seems like it's going to be a very difficult conversation to have and it's or their goals aren't in line with my values uh, I'll just choose not to do business with them I may refer them to somebody else not anything against the individual I just don't want that in in my daily activities and I don't want that in my life if I couldn't take this individual to have dinner with my family I probably wouldn't want to do business with them I feel you on that, you know, I think because energy is like, you know, it doesn't go one way. They can't just take, 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 and you can't just give, give, give. Energy's give and take, give and take. And to teach something is to learn it twice. So when I work with a client, I'm learning just as much as I'm teaching and sharing and growing. So I've learned that. I recently, I, I did a big talk out in Cancun I just got back from, and one of the slides I posted was love, block, delete. And people looked at this hieroglyphic mm-hmm. like, what do you mean? I mean, that's, it's exactly what you're saying. I can let you go with love, mm-hmm. uh, and, and then I simply at Facebook block and delete you. Yeah. Because I've recognized that my first inclination when I got into this was, I want to serve everybody. I want to say, I want to help everybody. But as I began depleting my own soul in the process, working with certain clients that I just can't serve at the highest level, I had to learn to say no. And no is very healthy. No very. is not a bad thing. But the yeah. good codependent, you know, the good codependent or whatever's you know, in people's mindsets would say, no, you, you don't want to disappoint anybody, serve everyone. And in the process, I hurt them and me, and we both lose. So I, I've learned yeah. to love, block, and delete. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. We can get we can get much more deeper into that conversation for yes, sure. Yes, we can. <laughs> um, you know, I'm thinking about even like animals. You know, I saw I saw a video the other day of a farmer talking about showing how this this lamb was pushing away. It had two two babies. And it was pushing one away. It was refusing to feed one because it knew that it could only serve one. And it couldn't serve the other one. And 
and he, so he was going to have the farmer was going to have to take care of it which he was kind of making it like an analogy like when you're being pushed cast away from those that you love and those that are around you then you always have somebody to go to he was referencing Jesus and so he was uh, saying that he as the farmer is going to be the shepherd to bring in this uh, this lamb that the mother was pushing away but the moral two morals of that story the mother was pushing it away because she knew she could only care for one and you know that's that's the harsh realities of of uh, nature right it is and i think my cue from that is in our own personal lives sometimes the people closest to us can be very toxic mm. you know whether that's a relative or or a brother or a cousin and to be able to let them go with love and let them go without you feeling guilty for abandoning them is really a huge growth it is for me you know yeah. it, it really had been for me in many avenues of my life and i continue to do that today I recognize if something's toxic or somebody's toxic in my life, um, I can change it, I can accept it or let it go. And yeah. many times letting go is a healthy thing. It's, it's a healthy thing. And, and I think that's a great analogy, thinking of that lamb saying, hey, either you both die or I take care of one of you. That's, yeah. that's, it's very humbling though, right? It is, it's and it's very liberating uh, to is. be able to do that. It's hard at first, but it's very liberating. As soon as you do it, it's like, wow, that's the, that's the weight that's been on my shoulders this whole time. <laughs> and it's obvious. It's so obvious as soon as you do that. And speaking of that, some of that falls into a kick in the gut moment. So I want to get into that kick in the gut moment now. And that is that point that, you know, you've been kicked down to your knees, sometimes a little bit lower, uh, kicked a little bit lower. And um, ultimately, you come back from it. And that's ultimately what we want. Because the worst thing I hate to see is a man who's kicked down and stays down. I love to see a man take that, and, and man and woman, I'm just using it in general, to get back up. So if you could, share that kick in the gut moment with us and really make us feel it. Man, you know, Wally, there's been so, so many. But the minute you said that, I remember moments in my life lying so close to the ground uh, in my living room, on the floor, sobbing, crying. And at the time, what happened was I had dated this girl briefly, and then I continued to raise her son for the next three to four years after we broke up. And I was pretty much a dad. I was this kid's dad. And then one day she took him away, as everybody said she would. And she did, and she took him away. And I remember that moment lying there. And, and I said, I feel so low in the grass. It's like the answer pissing on me. You know, and, but, but I, what I recognized once I came through the other side of that um, was I gave because that's my nature. The outcome is, is not why I should give. I shouldn't have given to this person because I wanted this kid in my life forever, or I was hoping her and I would get back together, whatever that case may be. We simply give because it's the right thing to do. And when I came out of the other side of that darkness, and as, as Brandon Lee said, it can't rain all the time. So all those things. I mean, I've had so many moments like that. One was in therapy, Wally, where you know my dad was really abusive, beat the crap out of my mom, beat the crap out of us. And I used to hide in a closet in this little room while he's beating up my mom because I knew I was next. When he was done, you know, if he wasn't exhausted, he was coming after us. And so I was that little kid in that bedroom, paralyzed, scared in the closet, waiting for the other shoe to drop, waiting for him to come in and beat me. Well, that, that, that behavior, that mindset took me to my 20s, my 30s. And I remember that one kick in the gut moment when I physically and visually saw myself as Brandon the adult walk into that room, grab little Brandon by the hand and say, dude, it's okay now. Ain't nobody going to hurt you. You're not a kid anymore. 
You're a full-grown man with a new skill set, with new tools, and nobody's going to hurt you like that ever again. So it was a kick in the gut, but on, on the flip side, it was so liberating. Wow, yeah, absolutely. That's <laughs> We got a twofer there, man, because you know when, when the child was taken from me, that little guy, I couldn't imagine that, man, but you felt that loss. Uh, it was a void, I'm sure, because it was, he was, it sounds to me like he was a part of you, like your own son. He was. Well, he was because my sister, who I had grown up with in foster homes, and she was the one constant in my whole life, had just died at 40, unexpectedly. She, she died. So she was taken from me, and this little boy was right there. He was like a year old, Wally. So how easy to, I mean, one-year-old just needs, right? Mm -hmm. It's so easy to put all my attention and love this boy. So I healed through him. It was a huge part of the healing when the one person I love the most in the world was taken from me, my sister. So I realized, you know, hindsight is foresight. That's why God put him there. He served that purpose, and it was time. It was yeah. time, and as soon as that boy was yanked from me, here's, here's the other thing, within six months, a girl that I was madly in love with, we had been broken up for six years, came back into my life, we got married within six months, and 11 years later, here we are with a six and a nine-year-old. Oh, man. Wow, right? Man, right? So, oh, man. So, so, I mean, if I can share anything and with the people out there is that I, it can't rain all the time. And if we trust the process, no matter how painful it is, no matter how jacked up it might be, if we can trust the process and really know I'm right where I'm supposed to be, Wally, then... You know, I'll get what I need to learn. I'll become a better person through that. And, and the next door that opens will be even more amazing. And, and so that's my connect the dots on um, that one. Yeah, absolutely. Trust the process. I heard that term many years ago uh, in one of the military courses that I went through. And it was a, it was a very intense uh, emotional type of course. And that was what they continuously said, trust the process. I love it. Live, learn, grow. This is your book. Where did that come yes. from? Um, you know, it came out of that need. I think journaling is super, super powerful and as a form of therapy to regurgitate, to get my thoughts out of my mind and put it on paper. It all started with journals. I've always journaled. And from that, I started to recognize I'm a storyteller. I'm here to write. So I started writing feature articles for a couple magazines. And then I eventually graduated into producing this book. And I'm somewhat of a leader in the martial arts industry. Everybody wanted a business book. But what I wanted was to just be transparent. You know, I'd lived a life of, of cloak and dagger, of smoke and mirrors, and I didn't want to do that. So I felt by exposing myself completely, transparently, and the lessons I learned along the way, like the one with that little boy, my sister dying, all those are in that book. All of them are there. So I'm hoping, uh, my wish is that it's an example of the potential of the human spirit if we live from a place of gratitude and, and really offer for a humble heart to the world and understand our why and our purpose and do everything we can to fulfill it. I love it. I love it. Absolutely love it. And that is, that is not easy to do to just put yourself out there like that. And the subtitle is Lessons of a Reluctant Tiger. Describe this reluctant tiger. Well, I was born under the year of the tiger, and sometimes the lessons we learn, we're reluctant to, to heed them, right? We're reluctant to embrace them. Insanity is making the same mistake over and over, expecting different results. There's many times those lessons were put right in front of my face, and I didn't want them. I didn't want nothing to do with them. So sometimes reluctantly, I, I, I take the hand of that lesson to be learned, and eventually once I fully embrace it, then I get to be that better version of myself, because that's really part of my path is every day evolving to a, a better 
a better me. And with the knowledge I know at 56, I'm glad. And if I acted like I was 18 at 56, I'm in big trouble. I'm grateful to be 56. I'm grateful to have all the knowledge and wisdom uh, through the life experience. So yeah, sometimes I'm very reluctant. <laughs> and that's, that's the humility part probably. <laughs> well, and the fact of the matter is many men are. Many men are very reluctant to uh, paying attention to their feelings, actually feeling their feelings, uh, reluctant to any type of change, reluctant to I mean, any number of things that will, quite frankly, 100% from my perspective and documented proof that it will make a huge difference in their life, their family, their relationships, their faith, and their income. Yet yes. they yes. see it, they know it, they're still reluctant to make the change. And it's well, so because, frustrating. Yeah, but you know, the macho, macho, macho. See, the yin and the yang. I think men need to tap into their feminine energy and women need to tap into their masculine energy. Fortunately, I grew up with four sisters. And honest, is a God-honest truth. I didn't know you're supposed to be standing up until I went to kindergarten. Right? Because with four sisters. So I thought you peed sitting down until I went to kindergarten. So I, I believe it's really, really important for men to tap into that. I think my greatest strength as a man is my vulnerability. My greatest strength as a man is, is that sensitivity that I have to embrace and appreciate every aspect of the world. Yeah, absolutely. But it's not easy. It's not easy. Well, no, it's, it's specifically not easy, you know, if you've, if you've lived a certain way for so long. And the thing I always try to point out is my stepdad, for instance, was John Wayne. I mean, he was this real John Wayne type of guy. I literally watched Westerns and John Wayne movies constantly and the, the you know, the, the old war movies and all that kind of stuff. So men watch this kind of stuff and they think, well, that guy on the screen, I admire him. I want to be him. So I'm going to live that persona. The fact of the matter is, in reality, there's no real men that are really like that. They're, they're no. just not. They're all in the movies, and those are not the heroes. The heroes are the guys who care for a young child until he's a year old, you know, and then has that child taken from him. That's the, those are the true heroes in, in, our, in our daily activities. Those are the heroes, the ones that are willing to give of themselves and care for others. Yeah. Well, actually, Wally, I met him at one, and he was there till he was seven. Oh, wow. So that was six years, and I hadn't been with her for four of those years I mean five even longer it was just such a natural thing this boy needed me mm -hmm. and and to serve him it was amazing I mean I, I think he served me more than I served him yeah I mean absolutely. without a doubt without absolutely. a doubt well brother we're at the part where we're going to pay it forward you ready to do that man cool absolutely awesome share with our abundant leaders one to three actionable steps that they can take today I think number one is make sure every morning you have that system, like Wally says, he has his, I have mine, of creating the mindset of gratitude. That's number one. Whatever tools you need, create an attitude of gratitude because that will help you truly embrace the second thing, which is the law of abundance. We live in a country where things are so rich and having lived in a third world country, seeing poverty at its, at its wow, most intense, we are very blessed to be here. So I think if we could start with number one, gratitude, it'll cultivate the law of abundance. And once we believe we have that law of abundance, service, which is it was the third one, will come easy. And to serve one another, to serve our community, to serve ourselves, that, that third leg of the stool, gratitude, 
abundance, and service. Those three legs of the stool will create a great stool for you to sit upon. Excellent. Absolutely wonderful. You already mentioned some of your daily habits. What other daily habits make the biggest impact in your life? Making sure I spend quality time alone. Making sure I spend quality time with my family every day. Making sure I spend quality time um, in spiritual meditation. Making sure I spend quality time serving my community, serving my team. I mean, there, there, there's a lot of different things that, that help me create that. Absolutely. Other than your book, and we're going to have your book, obviously, we're going to have it listed in the show notes for sure. What else would you recommend to our abundant leaders to read or listen to and why? Absolutely. I have a weekly show called Success Never Sleeps. It's a Facebook live show. So that happens at Facebook organically. Uh, it started out as me just posting random videos late at night during the day, no, no rhyme or reason. And it's cultivated into like a thousand live viewers anytime I, I come on. So that's great. YouTube, there, I have hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of videos. Uh, some are formatted, some are just random thoughts, but there's tons of videos there. Uh, Vimeo, Pinterest, Instagram, LinkedIn, and my, my stuff's everywhere. It's Very everywhere. cool. Well, yeah, so make sure you share all those links with me, and I'll make sure they get posted in the show notes. So, guys, you won't have to worry about writing any of that stuff down, searching it, looking it up. We'll provide it all right there for you at menofabundance.com. Just search Brandon, and it'll come right up. What do you feel holds most people back from living a life of true abundance? Fear. Mm. You know, fear, fear is a great motivator. And I think fear of letting go. I think uh, Confucius said that really well, that if I live in the past, I'm depressed. If I live in the future, I am anxious. But if I can live right here, right now in this moment, then I really have peace and for me, my greatest fear is when I live in the past of what I've done wrong or inappropriate or how I was a victim, that, that depresses me. If I project in the future, wow, I'm 56, what do I got, 30 years left? Who knows, I could be dead tomorrow. That causes anxiety. It takes great skill and great practice to live right here in this moment. And if I can do that, and as we are right now, Wally, you know it, you can feel it, it's just you and me, mm -hmm. right? And, and, and that's what makes life magical. That's what makes it amazing. So if I can let go of that fear, and that fear is the past, and it is the future, and it's not real anymore, and be right here, right now, then most of that fear will dissipate, and the peace will, will take over. Wow, you just made a very interesting statement I'd never heard before, and it makes sense as fear is a great motivator, motivating you to do nothing <laughs> sometimes, and motivating Absolutely. you to double, you know, uh, second guess yourself, and motivating really motivating you to really stop doing what it is that you really want to do. But the other thing that I found very interesting that you said was that um, living in the past is depressing, and you when you're thinking back about those things that were that you know like you lost your sister um a child taken from you or any number of things but also living in the past in those times that were amazing that you remember and you remember i remember back when things were just so amazing back then and then you start thinking about why aren't they that way now why am i not happy now i was happy back then it's kind of the same thing so Everything you just said works both ways as far as living in the past is truly a depressing state of mind when you have the present, you have right now. Yes, and, and, and I think the yin and the yang that like, like you're sharing is that everything from the past got me to today. But mm -hmm. I really want to be fully present in this moment with my eyes wide open. Because you know, once you unplug from the matrix and you are awake, I never want to go back to sleep. Yet, how many people do you see walking around with their eyes wide open and they're totally asleep? 
mm-hmm. every day, every day. So now that I'm unplugged and I'm awake, I mean, I, I'll never go to sleep, ever, never. Yeah. Wonderful. Never. So what does living a life of abundance mean to you? I think doing the right thing, number one. No matter how hard it is, you know, I'll happily refund a client. I'll happily be the first to apologize. Um, I think abundance starts by my example. It really does. And if I can grow up on welfare and food stamps and be in the position I'm in today, anybody can. And if I could find abundance in poverty, if I could find abundance standing in line at the dented canned food store buying expired meat, you know, you pull back the labels and they're Finally, you look at this brown meat and say, forget it. I'm going to get bologna. And I could do wonders with fried bologna. So <laughs> even back then, even back then, Wally, when we had nothing, you know, we, the abundance was we had each other. You know, the abundance was taking that twin popsicle, right, with the two sticks. And the abundance was, hey, <laughs> it, it's, it's got two sticks. Let's split it in half and share it, right? Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's it. Abundance is a mindset. And it starts in the most simplest. I'm, I feel abundant when I breathe in, that I have breath. I feel abundant when I can, you know, give somebody the last dollar I might have at that moment. I mean, abundance is a mindset, and it's a trusting, a very trusting sign of faith. And whatever that means to you, you know, for me, it's God. People find what works for them. But just that faith, yeah. as Bob Marley says, every little thing's going to be all right. Mm-hmm. And if you can believe that, you know, if you can believe that, that, that I think that perpetuates abundance. Yeah, I dig it. You know, you're talking about food. My wife could do some amazing stuff with spam and lentils. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Man. Oh, yeah. My wife is amazing. She's from Panama. I mean, the funny thing about that is you talk about Panama. They say they say third world country. I prefer developing country. But Panama is so, yes. they would go to the market almost every single day. So they were eating fresh food. They, they ate way, way better than I did when I was a, a young kid. I mean, my, my diet was those frozen fish sticks and you know my my dessert was uh, a slice of bread with uh, toast and butter and um, sugar and cinnamon on top I oh mean, yeah that was terrible <laughs> terrible but, but you want to talk about those habits last night we had lentil soup right uh-huh. and my wife was my wife was at the PTA meeting so I, I served the kids and she had three pieces of bread in the, in the toaster with cheese on it so I grilled these things up I pull them out and what did I automatically do I cut them all into like 60 pieces and it looked like more. And I went, mm. wow, that's abundance. Mm. You know, some people would say, oh, I only have three pieces of bread. I said, no, man, we got lots of it. Look how many little pieces we have here. But see, that's the mindset, right? Mm-hmm. That's the mind. You think of something like, you know, someone like Jesus, he took this loaf of bread and he made lots of bread. Mm-hmm. How do you do that? I took these three little slices of bread and my kids thought we had a freaking loaf on the table. Mm-hmm. It's, it's all, it's all, I mean, we find abundance in everything or we find scarcity. Uh, it's our choice. it's our choice, right, Raleigh? Yeah, absolutely. It's a mindset. It's a it mindset is. and it's a choice. It is a choice. Yeah, how yeah, many absolutely. people you see with everything, the big house, the big car, the perfect marriage, and they walk around like they're entitled, you know, and they live from the scarcity mindset. And I scratch my head and I don't get it, you know? But but mm-hmm. I, it's, I I, I want to leave you this really cool story. I was in the Philippines, top of my game, six-bedroom home, car, driver, masseuse, all this decadence, number one song in the country. I'm sitting in traffic, moaning and groaning, crying like a little baby. I look over at the side of the road, Wally, and this kid was obviously born into poverty. And I don't know if he was playing with a stick or a rock or what. Amongst all this chaos, pollution, traffic, this kid had bliss. He had everything 
I didn't. He was so rich and I had nothing. And I sunk down in the back seat of that car. And I, immediately after that, I sold everything. I left everything and I came back to the States. I did. But see, he taught me that, that it's not about toys. It's not how many toys we collect. It's really about who we are and living from our purpose and our why. And like the Dalai Lama says, he could be happiest with the least is the richest person in the world. Yeah, you know what that reminds me of? Have you seen this story going around on Facebook of the doctor who's now, I think he's in California, just he just rollerblades? Yep, yep, I saw that. Dude's amazing, that. man. That whole story yep. is just so, it's that same thing right there. He And you know what? He never got back into it, but I'm, I'm hoping, I'm guessing that all the stress and everything was causing his vision to, to fade. And, um, and then once he let all that stuff go, his health started coming back and his Absolutely. vision came back. Absolutely. Yeah, now, I, I mean, I turned down speaking engagements. I've turned down business opportunities because my number one priority in my life is to be with my kids and my family. That's all I want to do is make more time to spend with them. And as long as I can do that, because that window's so small, mm. you know, as long as I, I can do that, I'm, I'm a happy camper yeah. all the way around. Absolutely. And guys, I'll have that. If you haven't heard that video or seen that video that we're referencing, I'll have it posted in the show notes as well. Well, Brandon, man, amazing conversation, just as I knew it would be, man. Before we let everybody go, what did we not talk about that you want to ensure our abundant leaders get from our conversation today? It's just to make sure to live your version of success. You know, someone said to Steph Curry, the Warriors guard a year ago, you know, you're the 85th highest player in the NBA, yet you're the MVP. You know, how do you feel about that? He says, you know what my dad taught me? You never count another man's money. Mm. So I just, I think what causes me the most fear, the most pain, the most I'm inadequate, I'm insecure, I'm not, you know, worthy is when I compare myself to other people. I can find somebody who's financially richer than me, and I can find a lot of people that are way not where I am. So it's irrelevant. It's really about spending that time, that inner journey, going inward of self-discovery to find what works for you. And like the doctor that rollerblades all day long now, hey, he found it. He found it. And, and that's why I think it's so popular because people say, look at his courage. He gave up all that lucrative money and blah, blah, blah to rollerblade, to rollerblade. Imagine his family and the people around him, mm. how, how he, he got scorned. Imagine all his peers. What's wrong with you? You're nuts. You've gone off the deep end. He don't look like, if anything, he's the freaking Yoda of the medical world. He's mastered it, and he's out there doing his version of success. So that's, that's, that's what I would encourage for anybody. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, he <laughs> they call him slow-mo because he, he looks like he's skating in slow-mo. And he, um, he had the mansion. He had the ferrari he had the 12 cylinder yeah. bmw and yeah. he was an ass and he said it he said i was an ass i was an asshole and i, I that's who i was and i didn't want to be that and he started losing his health started fading yeah just amazing but very meditative right when you see him skating it's very meditative it's like the whirling dervishes right it's like whew, it's just very meditative he's like in this constant state of meditation of bliss he's in that nirvana Mm -hmm. You know, and he's found that place. And that's, that's a great example. It inspires me. Yeah, I think so too, man. You guys got to go watch that video. It's freaking, it's just amazing to watch us. I think I had a permanent grin the whole time I was watching it because it was truly Nirvana. It was that. It was just bliss. So, brother, we're going to have uh, Brandon Beliso, B-E-L-I-S-O.com, linked up in the show notes. What else would you like to have us linked up so that our abundant leaders can get more of you? Um, 
I'd love to do more with you, Wally. I mean, I, I do a lot of these podcasts. I do a lot of these things. I think you and I could riff like two great jazz musicians back and forth. And it's really in this real time stuff. I know you have a script, but you and I have gone off on some amazing things today. And I, I, if I could ask for anything without giving people, you know, brandonblisa.com, find me at Facebook, Instagram, Pinterest, all that. I would love to do more of this with you, sir. Absolutely. Absolutely. Looking forward to it for sure. Cause you know, that's how, yeah, I do have the script, but I, I always tell guys I'm a mix between kind of like, I guess, John Lee Dumas and Lewis Howes. I mix it all up. I have the script, but I like to just have a conversation, man. And it's so fun to do that. And I truly appreciate all of your wisdom and what you shared with our abundant leaders today, guys, make sure you're subscribed, make sure you're paying attention because we are going to have more of Brandon in the very near future. I learned much from you today. I'm very grateful. Same here. Have an amazing day. Go out and live your life of abundance, man. Continue paying it forward and aloha. Thank you. All right, guys, that's all I have for you today. And as you go out, I'm going to, as promised, play some slack key guitar. I'm not going to play the outro today. I'm just going to let the slack key guitar take you guys away. Now go out and live your life of abundance and make sure to pay it forward. <laughs>